Good morning, Center Church. Awesome. You guys are alive this morning. That's awesome. It's good to see you guys. My name is John Michael Clark, and I get to serve here as the student director here at the Center Church. And I say this every time I get to speak, but I'm super thankful for John and that he's investing in me and giving me opportunities to speak. Right now, I go to Grace Christian University, and I'm studying biblical studies and pastoral ministries. So someday, I hope to be a pastor of my own. And, uh, and uh, John just uh, is so great. Uh, so I'm so grateful for John that he invests in me and gives me opportunities like this. We get to work together on a weekly basis, and each Sunday we serve together, and each week we serve together. Uh, and as the student director here at the Center Church, I was hired on back in October, and through the past few months, me and John have been praying, and we have been working together and figuring out what it looks like to have a student ministries here at the Center Church in Byron Center. Uh, and through times, we've been playing basketball here on Sunday nights, and we've also been doing like social media giveaways, whatever it looks like, just to build uh, morale and just kind of uh, build this energy um, but with that being said, soon enough, when we get the opportunity to be in the new building here soon, because we only have a few weeks left in this building right here. Yeah, we should thank God for that. But we should also thank God for the opportunity we had to be here for the past few years. Like, it's awesome that this school let us uh, meet here. Like, that's awesome. We, we should thank God. We should thank the school for letting us do that. But um, when we can get in the new building, I think it's a great opportunity to, as uh, students, and uh, uh, we can gather together and finally do some youth ministry um, but also, if you are a parent or um, if, you are just, if you just love students and you want to pour into people, into, into people who are uh, the next generation, like, come talk to me. We need people to love and to serve uh, and to pour into uh, the students here. And so if you guys are interested in that, if you feel that tug in your heart, I encourage you to do that. Come and talk to me at your church. But with that being said, I get to intro this new series called Four People. Uh, Four People is about how Jesus is for people. He came to this earth to die for our sins because he loves people. Uh, and with that, that's why we're supposed to be for people. But if we're supposed to be for people and Jesus is for people, what about where is God when, when there's an injustice happen, right? Where is God when that happens? What about where is God uh, when there's homeless people on the streets? Like, what does that say about God? Where is God when someone did you wrong, Right? How, how does that show the love? There's so much evil in this world. I know it's kind of a bummer to talk about, but there is a lot of evil in this world. And if God is so loving and God is so good, where is God when that happens? But I'm telling you today, after, after we read this message, we'll understand that Jesus is for people and God, God is for people. And so in order to understand how Jesus is for people, we need to go uh, way back to the beginning. But actually... Uh, we're going to go to the book of John. Uh, uh, we're, going to go to the, we're going to talk about John 1. And in John 1, if you guys want to turn there, we'll briefly talk about what John 1, uh, what John 1 says. So John 1, in the very beginning, the very first verse, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to jump down to verse 14, and it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have, been seen, we have seen his glory and the glory of his Son from the Father full of grace and truth. So I don't know if you guys caught that, but in the very first verse it says, In the beginning was the word. And if you guys have been in church in any, uh, for any time, you know that the very first verse in the Bible back in Genesis 1, it also says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? 
So what the author here, John, is actually doing is he's, he's kind of saying, hey, Jesus was in the beginning with God. And that's kind of where we get the idea that Jesus is a part of the Trinity. There's the Father, God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's where we kind of get this idea that he was with God the whole time. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, the, was with God. But it says the Word. How can we assume that's Jesus? Well, the original uh, language here in Greek, it would have said logos, which means reason or word. And we can assume that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But in this, it says, the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. That was John, the, the author, saying, Jesus, the word, became flesh. He was, it, God became man, right? And uh, one of the words you, you can use here is incarnation. Uh, that means enfleshment. That means whatever it was became flesh. God became one of us, right? We know this uh, as a part of the gospel that Jesus, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, to die for our sins, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So the author, John, here is telling us that Jesus is God, and he came to this earth for us. He came for people. So this is the gospel, and this, this verse helps us understand how we're supposed to believe. So we can actually, one of the main verses I'm going to be in today is going to be Galatians 2.20. If you guys want to go there, Galatians 2.20. This will kind of help understand what it looks like for us as Christians to have accepted Jesus into our hearts. It's also on the screen if you guys want to read it there, but I'll read it now. Galatians 2.20. This is Paul, and he's writing to the church of Galatians, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, like I just said, this is Paul writing to, the, to this church, and he's actually talking about uh, what it means to be a Christian. He's talking to this church because he knows they're Christians, but specifically, he was saying it to someone who was kind of being a hypocrite. And what, what Paul is saying here is that, for I have been crucified with Christ, he's saying, it is no longer I who live, but it's Jesus who lives through me. And actually, in, the, uh, in an ESV study Bible I read, it says, when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, he's talking about his former self has been crucified with Christ. Now, if you guys remember anything about Paul before he knew Jesus, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He hated Christians. He was killing them. He wanted to, he wanted to get rid of them. He was a religious leader, and he was killing Christians because he thought they were wrong. And because of this, he was met by Jesus on the, on the road to Damascus, and he was radically changed. Every desire he had before, everything that he uh, wanted to do or anything he thought was crucified with Christ, and it is no longer Paul who lives, but it's, a, it's Jesus who lives through Paul. So again, I'll read that verse so we get more context here. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a sobering and a humbling truth here that Jesus loved us so much that he came and died for our sins, right? He died for Paul. Paul was a terrible person. We can all assume, we can all say that he, he was a bad guy. But no matter what sin he ever committed, Jesus died for his sin. And this is the same truth that still is true today. Jesus died for all of our sins, right? Everything that we've ever done has been forgiven. 
Who remembers like what it was like before they knew Jesus? Some of us came to, to, Christ, came to this faith later in life. Maybe we lived a life that was not uh, righteous at all, but then we met Jesus, and we know what it's like, and we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus. I have friends who, who told me, this is, a good, this is a really cool testimony, they tell me that when he was alone and after a long season in his life, he was in his basement going, he was at the lowest point in his life, and he had come across this video, uh, and it was, it was a video about the gospel. He was on YouTube, and he was by himself alone in his basement, and he heard the gospel, he had heard it before, but in this moment, it just hit different. And he, he, he realized that, like, man, like, I, I truly do want to believe, and because he did that, the next morning, every sin that he'd ever committed, he felt the weight of it. He was convicted by all the sins. He was living a certain way. He didn't know what he was doing was wrong, but because of the love of Jesus and because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he knew what he was doing was wrong. And that's what happens when you become a Christian, when you, when you believe, is the Holy Spirit comes into us. And that's an amazing part of what it means to be a Christian, is we are, we are changed our old selves have died, and we are now, it is now Jesus who lives in us when we finally accept that. And a good indicator that we have a relationship with Jesus is a saying that I've heard a few times. It is that when the roots are healthy, that means the fruits are healthy. That's a good way to know that I, I have this foundation in Jesus, and it's because of my faith, because of how I believe in Jesus, the, the result of that is the desire to do love, to do good, to, to be an example of Jesus. It's not something you have to do. It's something you just do. And now, this is what happened to Paul. Like I said, he was, an he was a persecutor of Christians, but because he believed, he was radically changed, and all of his desires changed. So that was more about individual, what it means to be a Christian. As Christians, we accept Jesus into our heart, and, uh, and we, it's no longer us who live, but it's Jesus who lives through us. But now, let's take it to a bigger, more of a, a, a bigger scale. We know a quick verse. You guys don't have to go there. I'll just read it for you. It's in Ephesians 1.22. This is also Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He says, And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him as a head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all. Paul is saying that people who have been crucified with Christ, people who believe in Jesus, are the body, and Jesus is the head of the body. The body is the church, right? You guys have heard that before. Like the church is not a place. It's not a building. The church is, is the people, is the people who believe in Jesus, right? That's what the body is. And so this verse, I'll read it one more time. It says, and he put all things under his feet, which is God, and gave himself as a head over, the, over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And when you finally believe in Jesus, you become part of the church. You are now a part of the body. And with that, because we have Jesus living through us, because we have this, these healthy roots and now we, we have healthy fruits, we want to do good. It's, it's when people are frustrating, you forgive them. You have patience. When there's an injustice in this world, you, you feel that anger of, man, like there needs to be something right. This is wrong, and it needs to be made right. When we believe in Jesus, we want, it. We want to care for people. We want to do good. And so, and I know, I understand that we're still human, and I know all too well what it feels like to, to not have patience and to not be loving. I, I know that all too well. Actually, I, there's this, this story I want to share with you guys about 
About a time that when I wasn't uh, so loving, it was actually back in high school, I had a friend, I had a friend group who would all go play football together or basketball, whatever it was, and we would all go hang out and we'd have maybe five or, or seven people, so we needed that one more person to have an even team, and we knew we had this one friend who we could call up, but he was usually our last resort, and I know that's not really nice, but it's just how it was. When you're young and immature in high school, you're just, you're not nice. And so, <laughs> and so uh, I realized that, um, that I, I got, we needed him, and so, but he, we have him come. But he was just really frustrating, honestly. He was really hard to be friends with. He was really hard to love. And we would end up, we'd, we'd, we'd get through it, and we'd go and, you know, we'd go to Applebee's afterwards. But there was this one moment when I didn't really want him to come, and so I had lied to him that we weren't going out. And I know that is terrible. I know he was probably, it's a terrible thing. But that's, that's who I was before I truly had a relationship with Jesus. But I had a friend who gently reminded me that, hey, man, like, Everyone's got a story. Everyone has a different upbringing, and it makes them who they are today. And that kind of prompted me to go and talk to him and, and figure out who he was as a person and get to know him for who he is. And come to find out, he had grown up in an abusive household. And his mother was, was emotionally abusive, and his father had left him. And it is through those things that made him who he was today. And that just broke my heart. And it gave me so much compassion for him to realize, like, you know, who am I to think that I am better than him. That is not true in any way. Jesus loves me as much as Jesus loved him. And in that moment, I knew that it was just so wrong for the actions that I was, that I was doing. And I, I, I needed to check myself and realize, no, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I was not showing him Jesus in any way. And so to answer those questions from earlier, where is God? Was I showing him who Jesus was? No, I wasn't. And like I was saying, like, where is Jesus? Where is God when, when there's an injustice in this world? Where is God when, when there's people around this world who don't know who Jesus is or never heard the gospel? Where is Jesus when, when that person is frustrating and we need to love them, right? Well, I can tell you this. When something evil happens in this world and no one's there to stop it, there is God speaking up through people against that injustice, when there's natural disaster that happens in this world, like an earthquake or tornado or whatever it is, or wildfire, it's, it's God prompting people and using his church to, to rally together to go fix something, to go, to go help out. When there's people living in the streets, there are people out there sharing the gospel, running out there, feeling the prompt to, to go give them a shelter, go send them a, a money, whatever it is. When there's people who have never heard the gospel, there is God using the church to send people cross-culturally to go spread the gospel. When there's people who have been hurt by the church, there is people that God is using to reach out to them. We are the church. Like I said in Ephesians, Ephesians says, he put all things under his feet and he gave him the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That is the church. We are the church. The church is how God physically shows up in this world. We are the example of Jesus. We are supposed to show the world who Jesus is because we, we love Jesus and we, we thank him for what he did for us on the cross. And so the only thing that we can do, doesn't, we can't earn his grace, we can't earn his love, but the least we can do is spread his love and show Jesus and that's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be the church. We're supposed to be helping people. We're supposed to be loving people. We're supposed to have patience. We're supposed to have love. So here, I have a question for you guys. 
Are there people in our worlds, in your world, who are not seeing Jesus because we're not showing Jesus through our actions? I'll let you guys kind of ponder on that for a little bit. I'll read it one more time. Are there people in your world who are not seeing Jesus because they're not seeing him through you? I know that for me, I was not showing that friend Jesus in any way possible. There was no way I was. But I needed to change that. I needed to do something about that. I needed to show him love. Everyone deserves love. So maybe there's opportunities in our lives that we can think about in which we can start to show Jesus' love. But the problem here is if we don't do this, there may be people who, who may never get the chance to see or experience the love of Jesus because the life they grew up with, there was, there was no love in it at all. There's people who might have a, a skewed view of Jesus, right? There might be people in this world that we encounter who don't actually see what Jesus is actually, uh, what who he actually is like. And that's the scary part. And so I really want to encourage us that we are the church. We are supposed to be loving and showing people who Jesus is. And so are there people in our world who are not seeing Jesus because they're not seeing him through us, the church? So how can we as the church be the incarnation of Jesus, right? Are there people in your family who are unbelieving? Are there, are there conversations that can take place? What about your workplace or, or your neighborhood? Are there neighbors or people in your workplace that don't know Jesus? And you can, you can show them Jesus by loving them. How can you encourage those people today? Or what about in us? What needs to change in us? What, what do we need to work through in order to show people Jesus' love? Let's be an example of Jesus. I know that in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says that we are to be Christ's ambassadors, which is to spread God's love. One of the things Jesus said to his disciples in the Last Supper was that I give you a new commandment, and it's to love one another as I have loved you. And by that, we will be known that we are Jesus' disciples, right? That's how people know we are Christians, by our love. And so that's what I want to encourage you guys with today is just that we are, as the church, uh, called to be uh, the fathers of Jesus. And so I'm going to invite Peter up here and we'll get worshiping. So, God, I want to thank you for today and this opportunity to, to gather here, Lord, and just uh, be in your presence. And I thank you for your son and you love us so much that you, you died for us. You sent your son to die for us, to take our place in death. But ultimately, you just forgive us, Lord because you love us so much. But you are a just God, and you can't handle injustice. It, makes, it moves you, Lord, to, to use the church to, to, bring, to bring justice, God. So use us today, Lord, and let uh, our hearts be moved by uh, your word, and let us be the church and be a reminder that we are to love first, God. Thank you. Amen.